I think we can all agree the current political moment is fraught. But how does it compare to the other fraught political moments in history? It felt for a time in part of that decade like everything was falling apart. Young people against old people, anti-war violence, peace movement. I'm former U.S. Attorney Preet Bharara, and this week, presidential historian Doris Kearns Goodwin joins me on my podcast, Stay Tuned with Preet. We talk about difficult times in America's history and how its people overcame them. The episode is out now. Search and follow Stay Tuned with Preet wherever you get your podcasts. This is Recode Media with Peter Kafka, coming to you live on tape from Vox headquarters in New York City. But we're about to leave. We're going to go back in time a couple days to 25 Kent. It's a, a building in Williamsburg where I had a conversation with Craig Newmark, who you know is the guy who founded Craigslist, and now is the guy who's funding lots of journalism. We talked all about that. Before we go there, two quick things. One, if you're joining me today because Rush Limbaugh told you about this podcast, welcome. It's a big tent. We're happy to have all listeners. Two, this is the kind of conversation you like hearing live in person. You can join us at Code Media in November in Los Angeles. We'll have CEOs of Vice, Warner Media, Condé Nast, lots of other important folks there. Uh, you can go to the website and check it out uh, at recode.net. See you soon. Now, here's me and Craig Newmark. Um, I think everyone knows who Craig Newmark is here. In case you don't, I've got his card here. It's a famous card. Uh, it says Craig Newmark Foundation. Craig Newmark, customer service rep and founder. Let's bring on Craig Newmark. <laughs> it's a steep step. Thank you, Craig. I was going to go on and on about, about your philanthropy, but I figured we could do that when we're sitting because there's a lot of philanthropy. Um, I was going over, your, your folks sent me over a list of, of the media donations you've made in the last couple years. We could list them all, that'd take a long time. Um, I was looking at, it, at an article earlier, a couple years ago, it said, it's, an, it's incumbent upon me as an ultra patriot to start spending like a drunken sailor. That's your quote two years ago. I, I was trying to total it up. I think you spent maybe $80 million on journalism-related media, uh, journalism-related donations so far. Is that um, my ballpark? We've announced... Uh, a little over a hundred million in that. that so my math is not good, which is why I'm in journalism. Oh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not surprised. Uh, but the deal is, I learned uh, from from Mr. Shulsky, who taught high school history and civics, that our country aspires to be about fairness. We aspire to be about opportunity, and we aspire to be about respect. Uh, that set my uh, idea of what uh, patriotism is. So I'm just following through. So we're going to talk about media here for most of this conversation, but, but your, your philanthropy is not, is not limited to that, right? Let's just talk briefly about what else you're spending money on, your own personal money on. Yeah, I'm putting a lot of attention to uh, supporting vets and their families because they've sacrificed a lot to protect us. I take that personally. Women in tech is another uh, major area. And now and then I'll indulge myself in other areas like uh, pigeon rescue, uh, I was not expecting about pigeon rescue tonight. Uh, two reasons: I love birds and uh, funny. <laughs> and I remember that there's a two-drink minimum here tonight, folks. 
Craig was telling me backstage that he's been working on his comedy styling. So if you like that, you are in luck. Uh, and also, uh, uh, voting security, right? Yeah. I conflate one big area, which has to do with, uh, oh, trustworthy journalism, cybersecurity, uh, countering information warfare, disinformation. Uh, speaking as, well, my background is computer sciences. So if that abstract perspective, I kind of see them all as parts of the same thing. So that $100 million number you were talking about, that includes voting security? That includes election integrity and uh, voter protection. Okay. Um, and I will rattle off a couple of the, of the media donations you've made in the last couple of years. Uh, $20 million to CUNY, uh, another $10 million to Columbia University for their J school, $6 million for Stanford. Stanford doesn't need your money, but good for you. Uh, $20 million to the markup which is a startup we'll talk a little bit about. Um, I think two and a half million to a, a great publication here called The City, which covers New York City local news. It's great. If you're not reading it, go read it. It's amazing. What made you focus on journalism and media specifically, and, and when did this pop into your head? Because this is a new thing for you. You weren't doing this prior to this. Well, in uh, high school, uh, that Mr. Schulze guy again taught me what amounts to a trustworthy press is the immune system of democracy. That interest was sparked again in uh, 2006. I went to this uh, Aspen Institute thing about uh, the role of the press. The interest started growing. And then I noticed that in 2016, something went wrong. So I figured I'd uh, step up on what I felt was the right thing. So this is not a coincidence that we had an election in 2016 and a year later you started spending like a drunken sailor on shore leave. It uh, started in earnest uh, in 2016. Uh, sometimes I'm quiet about it. Sometimes I try to get a little louder because people need to uh, hear about this. We need a new normal in journalism and uh, ethics and trustworthiness are a part of it. I say this half in jest, but at, at $100 million, give or take, you could buy a couple newspapers. You could call them Craig's newspapers. They could be called whatever you want. Um, you could fund, for a long time, um, a handful of, of, of important publications. Why not go ahead and buy your own publication like a, like a Bezos? Well, my philanthropic model in general is the idea that I'll find good people doing good work in areas that I believe in. I help them out with, uh, well, whatever influence and uh, communication skills I have. Um, which is to say, I get other people to help. Uh huh. And then the joke uh, writing you do yes. that. Yeah. And then I write a check. The deal is that people don't need me to interfere with things. And there's the ethics of funding nonprofit journalism, which I take real seriously. So I find good people doing good work. I get out of the way, even though I'm tempted. For example, I'm helping out uh, WNYC and Gothamist. I uh, greatly value the, uh, the Gothamist reporting on uh, pigeons. <laughs> you said nonprofit journalism. That's a specific focus? Yes. I figure that uh, advertising-supported journalism is just fine, but somehow... There's some people who would beg to differ with you on that. We can talk about that. <laughs> but, but you think if you're in the business of making a profit, you don't need Craig Newmark's money? Uh, I think you're right about that, and I'm focusing pretty hard in those areas where... Maybe they need a little help, and I can do some of that. And how, how, what's your sort of rubric for figuring out, all right, these guys really need it, these guys need it, but they need it less, I'll give them less. This is a priority, this we can wait a couple of years on. Well, starting with that meeting in 2006, people in uh, the profession have been 
helping educate me even before I knew consciously that they were educating me. So I was learning a little bit about it. And now I have uh, contacts in journalism who can give me pretty good advice. So you go to them and say, I still got money left. Where should it go? Uh, that kind of thing. Uh, there's a nonprofit found, well, foundations who are really, really good at this. And I can uh, ask them for help. I did that today uh, twice, although focusing on uh, some ethical issues. So you talk about ethics a lot. I, th I think in a lot of places, um, we focus a lot on, on sort of high-profile media properties, especially on the coasts. Um, and I think over the last year or so, people started to pay attention to the fact that local newspapers are, are just dying off. Um, the grimmest prognostication comes from Dean Piquet, who runs the New York Times. He says, I, I think you know, half of them are going to go away in five years. Is, is that a particular focus for you? Uh, that's something I have a, oh, invested time, energy, and uh, cash in. The biggest play is the American Journalism Project, but I'm also struck... That's, explain what that is. Okay. The deal that the folks from the Texas Tribune figured out how to do sustainable uh, journalism on a small scale. Sustainable nonprofit journalism. Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, nonprofit and for-profit, they've uh, built some of the tools needed to do that. They're expanding it elsewhere, and that's pretty good. But also, uh, I'm very interested in a news desert called New York. And so, as you mentioned, I've uh, contributed to the city. I've also contributed uh, to WNYC and Gothamist. Uh, the Gothamist does great uh, celebrity vermin uh, coverage, particularly, you know... Uh, the pizza rat. Pizza rat, bagel rat, I'm a big fan of. <laughs> I, I just thinking about the rats I saw the other day. <laughs> Two drink minimum. Is, is, your, is your theory here that, that if you fund something like the city, which has lots of top-tier journalists and, and, and lots of good sort of branded... Good, the good journalism seal of approval, that, that this can be a model then for something, someone else who doesn't live in New York, or is the idea that is you'll fund something in New York and then you're going to move across the country sprinkling money here and there? Uh, kind of both in that what happens in New York ripples across the country, but we have to focus on everywhere in the here and now. Uh, there's not only American Journalism Project, there's something called Report for America, and those folks, they're... Uh, trying to embed uh, experienced reporters. Sounds like a Peace Corps model, right? Uh, that is very much a Peace Corps model. And the idea is they will take a actual living, working journalist and put them somewhere where that person can do some good. Presumably breathing, yes. Yeah, breathing is good. Um, did you always have this affection for, for media and journalism? Um, I started realizing how important it was, again, literally in high school, but again, I realized how important it is to support uh, journalism to protect the country, and in particular to protect the election. Right, but so this is a relatively sort of new passion for you. Uh, it wasn't like you were someone who went into journalism and then got out and decided to make money or be an engineer instead and has come back to this. Uh, that's right. Um, my uh, passions in the past have mostly been about uh, technology, because after all, a uh, nerd, um, but realize that, you know, I've gotten pretty lucky um, pretty lucky in business, and so uh, I should do something with that, and that's what you see me doing. Let, let's talk about uh, the origins of Craigslist. I think most people here know this. Does anyone not know the Craigslist origin story? Okay, there's one person here. We should send them to Wikipedia, but briefly, right? You, you, did, you, did, not, you did not set out to become a web 
1.0 media mogul. You got into it because you were doing what? Uh, basically, early 95, I realized that I had gotten a lot of help from uh, other folks on the net, even back then. You know, getting good advice about neighborhoods, restaurants. I figured uh, around March of 95, and this is when the internet mostly means AOL and maybe bulletin boards if you're, if you're hardcore enough to know how to get to those. Uh, you got it. I figured I should give back some, so I started a simple mailing list. I looked for suggestions, did what made sense, and then repeated. And that's the uh, DNA of sorts of uh, Craigslist. It just kept doing uh, what I just started out doing then. It was free? Uh, yeah. Well. Free, and then in 97, people who were posting jobs there asked me, and it was just me then, if they could pay me to put jobs on. And, and you did that simply, and you said, sure, I'll take your money, but that you still weren't really <laughs> intending to run a business business? Uh, I didn't intend to make it a business until the end of 98, when people smarter than me told me if it's going to survive, it needs to become an actual uh, business. At that point, I made the decision to uh, minimally monetize because I didn't see the point of uh, making a lot of money. That's not an altruistic decision. That's just an expression of identity and a moral compass. Let's focus on that for a second. Um, 98, you're in San Francisco. The internet is a thing. Yeah. Um, there, are, there are IPOs that are, I tell those people they can't remember this at all, they don't believe that it happened. If you went to a sports bar, the sports bar or the bar at the airport, whatever, had CNBC on, it's what people watched, and every day there were multiple IPOs and you would, you would talk about the pop of the, of the IPO and you would literally get in a cab and your cab driver would explain how he was making money in the internet. So uh, gripped with internet money-making mania, this, and you're in San Francisco, you're at the epicenter of it, it somehow does not occur to you that you could be part of this as well. Uh, it probably occurred to me, but uh, as a nerd, I was uh, oblivious to social convention. Um, you're perfect for a podcast, yeah, that's great. I, <laughs> I don't uh, know what I would do with a, uh, a billion dollars or something. And speaking of Mr. Shulsky, his predecessor, was Mr. and Mrs. Levin in Sunday school. They set my fundamental moral compass. Things like they helped me understand somehow to know when enough is enough. They uh, drilled into me the notion that you should treat people like you want to be treated. And that uh, uh, lasted. So that all sounds good, but, but there's things you can buy with money, and, and as it turns out, you're, you're doing good work with it. I'm assuming that there are, are a steady stream of bankers and other types coming to you from 98 on saying, Craig, this is great, here's how we're going to supersize it, here's how we're going to sell it, here's how we're going to take it public. You just say no, 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 no? It hasn't happened uh, much in the last uh, 15 years. They've seen uh, that uh, we're stubborn. And uh, right now, you know, I figured I live simply with uh, what I have. I overindulge only in a few senses, like I buy all the books I want. You know, if I see something coming out that I want, I'll buy that book. A, a hardcover book with paper. <laughs> uh, 
I buy the uh, e-books. Okay, there you go. Um, so th I, I was looking through your clips, and there's a series of stories where someone says, it's usually one person says, we think Craigslist made this much money this year. The number gets bigger and bigger, and the last one is a billion, and usually you and your people don't comment, and then occasionally you say, whoever's telling you this is a fraud. So I'm not going to bother to ask you how much money Craigslist is generating in revenue, but it is still a very big business, correct? Uh, Are you comfortable company, saying that? The company is doing well, but my focus these days when it comes to money is immediately uh, either philanthropy yeah. or uh, a gadget. So I wanted to get to it for two reasons, the money part for two reasons. One, I'm sure someone has come to you recently and said, hey, I see you're donating $100 million, that's great. But, you know, we could, we could engineer Craigslist today and make it that much more valuable, all to your benefit, and you could do that much more good work with it. How's that pitch sound? Um, I don't really know, because until that happens, I got to stay focused in the here and now. And my big focus, again, is that uh, big area which conflates journalism, cybersecurity, and election protection. Uh, we have kind of a crisis now regarding uh, information warfare and the battleground uh, is the election. I can't keep asking about selling the company if you're gonna talk about altruism, it's gonna get hard. Uh, it's, not, it's not altruism, it's uh, the combination of my teachers. Okay, one more business question. <laughs> I use Facebook still, and every day Facebook tells me there's a little button at the bottom and it says you should really click on this, it's, we've, we've highlighted it with a red dot, please, please, please click on it. And I don't usually, but when I do, it's their marketplace section. After many, many years, and I'm sure you've had many, many competitors in the past, but now Facebook has basically their own version of Craigslist. Um, and Ronnie, who I work with, tells me she buys stuff from here, and then she knows a lot of people who buy stuff from here. I'm wondering what it is like to find your company competing with Facebook in 2019. Well, anything that improves the lives of people is a good thing. Me, any uh, classified needs we have, my, my uh, family has, those are all handled by my uh, Chamberlain, uh, Mrs. Newmark. And again, I uh, might notice something for a second, and then it's back to uh, my priorities. So you are totally checked out of the business. You're not paying attention to Facebook's market share, or what they're doing to your listings. Yeah. Right now, uh, we got a, I have a much better a CEO than I ever was, and that's, uh, you know, that's the CEO's job. Frankly, in 2000, People help me understand that as a manager, I suck. Um, that's the theme of uh, founder syndrome, and I'm very proud that it only took me a few months to uh, overcome founder syndrome and to uh, get out of that. At that point, I became a full-time uh, customer service rep. And then, and then you were a folk hero for a long time. People enjoyed hearing about you. And then there was a narrative that said, actually, Craig Newmark destroyed newspapers. And you bristle about that, but explain why you don't think that is an accurate charge. People uh, who are economists, industry analysts, they say in the early 50s, we got TV news and newspaper revenue is a flat, a straight line down until about 2008, at which point the platforms started uh, getting a lot of that. Uh, my gut tells me that Craigslist must have taken uh, some of that revenue, but if so, then it's only a, a tiny part of it. Because classified revenue, traditionally, and people do, who weren't in the media business didn't understand this, was a really, really important part of the newspaper business specifically. They charge an outrageous amount for it, very cheap to produce, and you and other outlets, Yahoo, et cetera, stripped some of that out. Well, 
Look at, uh, again, the, uh, the numbers. Uh, in the early 50s, uh, TV News was born. Yep. So was I. Uh, but it's, I think, TV News which has uh, sucked it out. Right. So th there's an overall decline, decline in readership, and then the Internet comes, and they, they lose their geographic monopoly, and you are one of the other forces that took some of their money out. Uh, a tiny amount. So when you, see, when you see, this is still, I think, a recurring question for you, or a headline for you, when you donate money to CUNY or the city or whomever, it says, ah, Craig Newmark decimated the newspapers, and now he's putting money into journalism. Isn't that ironic? Uh, I'm very fond of irony, <laughs> but uh, I'm uh, more focused on getting the job done, which for me is uh, philanthropy. I'm curious what you think about, I know you're not involved in, in the day-to-day, -day, but um, you have been in the media business for a long time. The reason you can donate this money is you raised it through advertising. We're here amongst people who are in the business of selling and buying advertising. I'm, I'm curious what you think about the, the state of the ad business today, especially when it comes to funding media companies. Well, advertising uh, pretty much forever has been a good means of, uh, of uh, financing media. And I think advertising, particularly brand advertising, has a long lifetime. Me, my personal focus, both uh, professionally now and personally, is on uh, philanthropically-based uh, media, subscription models, uh, sponsorships, um, membership models. That's my uh, preferred means of uh, paying for media. I guess I preach that and I uh, practice it, particularly regarding that uh, celebrity vermin coverage I mentioned. <laughs> we need to get to a personalized site just for Craig and pigeons and, and rats. There's other vermin, too. Okay. Well, you, you, you can direct it all you want. I'll help you staff it. Um, speaking of staffing, this is a terrible segue. Um, you were mentioned a lot in the last year because one of your really big donations was something called The Markup, run by Julia Angwin. I had her on this podcast. She's great. Um, and then it all went to crap, and she was fired. Um, the whole thing fell apart. Um, now she's back. Right, that's the good news, and they've restaffed the company. What did you learn from that experience as the chief funder for a startup that seemed to have a lot of promise and then sort of blew up really overnight? Well, I learned that you uh, get some good people, uh, stick with them, and now I'm pretty excited what Julia and her team is doing. I really want to see what they're going to be publishing first. I have to restrain myself because of the ethics of funding nonprofit journalism. But, I mean, you uh, literally want to see what they're doing before they publish it? No, I want to see what, they, uh, what, what they'll be publishing when they publish yeah. it. The ethics of funding nonprofit journalism, and this is big, means no prepublication review. Now, when something's published, and I can barely wait, uh, if I see uh, something that, where a mistake was made, then um, I feel morally obligated to uh, tell someone but the deal is, uh, this looks great, because I think we need more journalism, which is based on facts, evidence, and uh, data science. But I want to ask you a journalism question about this journalism startup, which is in the middle of it, in the, at the beginning, and in between the beginning and, and where we are now. Uh, Julie was fired. There were a whole bunch of charges leveled back and forth, and a lot of folks were saying. I hate that term, we're saying, hey, Craig Newmark, you funded this thing. Would you step in, please, and fix it and either support Julia or support the other side? Um, what was that like for you? Well, I speak to uh, journalistic ethicists uh, frequently, and sometimes when you've got good people, 
You need to uh, let them do their thing and not interfere. That's true of uh, everything I'm doing, unless funny. <laughs> um, does it change the way, does that experience, because I'm, I'm sure that has to be more complicated than you're telling me, does that change the way you're gonna spend money going forward in terms of funding new publications or how, you know, whatever arrangement you make with the founders if you're doing another startup like this? Well, it stiffened my resolve to spend more money on media now with the country in crisis and maybe to spend a lot more now even if I have much less to spend later. The deal is the country uh, needs to get through the election. Media is a part of that. People in conventional media uh, should not be gamed by bad actors. And again, this whole, whole experience reminds me to stay the course. So if I keep asking you questions about the markup, we're not gonna get any more out of you. Um, unless I can think of something really funny. Okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> You are good, though. I like it. How many years do you think you will keep funding media and journalism projects like this? Do you have an end date? I have this much money. I'm going to spend it. I mean, do you want to spend, first of all, do you want to spend whatever your fortune is? I intend to uh, spend it all before my uh, demise. You know, I intend to keep helping out, but only as long as I live. After that, it's over. And do you want your name attached? Well, you got your name attached. You got, you got, you got your name on a, on a journalism school, right? The CUNY schools, now the Craig Newmark... Journalism school? I have my name on a, a few things. Uh, two reasons. Uh, because uh, effective and, uh, you know, funny. funny. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting it. Have you ever done stand-up? Um, no, and I have friends in comedy in this town, and I've assured them that even if I could build a solid 10 minutes, I am not going to be looking for an open mic. But if we, want, if we do want to find you, you're hanging out at the Comedy Cellar, you told me. Uh, that's uh, one of a number of good clubs in town. And in case I forget to tell people later, don't forget to tip the uh, waiters. <laughs> I have a couple more questions where I want to tell you guys that you're going to have a chance to ask questions in just a minute. Besides the markup, which, even though you don't want to get into it, was, was sort of a, a mess and hopefully has recovered, any other coulda, woulda, shouldas, things you thought were going to work out but haven't when it comes to funding? I can't think of uh, good ones right now, and they usually involve gadgets that I, would, uh, that I wanted to use, but didn't uh, turn out very well. I remember something about a uh, Kickstarter that would generate immense wins and would dry you off after the shower, but that didn't succeed. Wait, it um, would generate wind? It would oh, be wait, 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 so you don't have to towel yourself off? Uh, yes. <laughs> I think they have those, right, like at the airport? But that's just for your hands. Uh, I think if you move around the, yeah, quickly yes. enough. And they don't work very well. And plus, it's kind of a, a grim picture to think and about. If you, there are any doubts that I really am a nerd, uh, that should have put them to bed. Okay, so you, you have no other business ideas. You've got the money. You're going to invest maybe in, in giant dryers down the line. I have, as, <laughs> I have as few ideas as possible. Okay. Um, do we have questions from the audience? I see a hand back there. Hi, Craig. I, I want to thank you so much for your support of local journalism and journalism schools. You were in a very good crowd with, of course, with Bezos, Lorene Jobs, Omidyar, to a lesser degree. But a lot of platform owners don't use their platforms to address these issues. Given that our First Amendment rights are attacked every day, that world-class journalism is attacked every day, could you use Craigslist as a political platform to sway voters? Um. That kind of thing is up to the people who uh, run it, 
And uh, honestly, you'd have to ask them uh, about that one. Me, I think the priority right now is to help conventional media have the resolve to not amplify disinformation. That kind of sounds political. It's not. It's just doing some basic uh, stand-up for, uh, I guess, patriotism. The deal is that we have to preserve the integrity of uh, voting and the election, and that's the biggest single thing I think about. But that's me doing, uh, well, giving money away and getting uh, people doing good work to do a better job of talking about what they're doing. You keep talking about consulting with, with, with journalism ethics specialists, um, but you've got your own mind. How do you think the press should be handling when the President of the United States says an obvious untruth or what we used to call a lie? Should they repeat that? Should they print that? Should they say the President said something crazy on Twitter or should they move ahead? Um, Margaret Sullivan talks about what she calls the truth sandwich. From the Washington Post. Yes. And she says, well, if you feel you got to uh, repeat a lie, you let people know uh, it's a lie. You, maybe then you repeat it and then you tell people why it is one. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are coming up with strategies much like that. Other questions here for Truth Sandwich? Is there anything else right here in the middle? Yeah, uh, thank you again for um, all of your work, your philanthropy, and sharing your story. Very curious, outside of funding the journalistic initiatives, you talked about cybersecurity um, and voter security. What are some of the most exciting initiatives that you're seeing in funding, and what are your criteria for those? Focusing on the, uh, the areas of cybersecurity and so on, like there's the uh, Global Cyber Alliance, its focus is, is uh, based on building toolkits which allow people doing specialized work to, uh, oh, to avoid getting hacked. They've recently announced things like a toolkit for election officials to uh, prevent problems, also to help out uh, journalists. Uh, then there's policy groups in these areas, like the Aspen Tech Hub uh, for one, and Tech Congress for another. There's a whole bunch of these uh, areas doing good work. Um, I can go on indefinitely about that, but the deal is to both protect the election directly, and then to do a good job of it, and then to let the public know that the cops are on the beat, that is, there's some big problems with election security, but for the most part, we're on a trajectory right now to prevent problems. We don't want anyone claiming that the election was uh, rigged and, uh, oh, taking uh, bad action as a result. Is the, is the election security idea for you something that you want to reassure the public that things are okay, or do you actually want to help people ensure that things are okay. Thinking these are, very often we're talking about state-sponsored attacks, right? North Korea, Russia, I think Australia said today that China had gotten into their election. Um, it seems like no matter how generous you are and how smart the people are that you're working with, there's not a lot you can do against a concerted effort to, to disrupt an election. Well, it's, the answer actually is both. People are taking concrete suggestions, they're taking concrete actions to prevent uh, hacking problems. And the deal is I see them in motion, I see their uh, general success beginning to happen, but uh, we, I need to help with that while telling people that these things are happening. For example, 
One of the things that people worry about most are bad actors getting into election voter registration databases and doing things like maybe reversing the digits of a person's address, which screw up uh, what happens when they get to a polling place. They may have to file conditional uh, ballots or something like that, and uh, shenanigans can uh, follow that. So the deal is to fund efforts which can prevent that kind of thing, and those are in process. Again, there's a lot of good stuff happening, a lot of work has to be done, and then at the right time, the public needs to hear about this stuff. And need to hear from someone who they have confidence in, which is a whole different conversation here. Do we have other questions here before we wrap up? One last question back here. Thanks. Um, Craig, how do you look at other founders and CEOs of large tech organizations today and how they're spending their money? Do you have any opinions there? You mean in terms of philanthropy? In, ter in terms of philanthropy or not philanthropy, I'd say. Okay. I figure everyone gets to uh, spend money according to their own personal value systems. And uh, my focus is on uh, what I'm doing with the, uh, oh, with the cash I have, and I gotta stay focused on that, and then do more, and then after I do more of that, then I gotta do more, and just not stop. So you don't wanna call anybody account for not spending enough money. I saw, uh, one of the interviews I saw, you said, we really shouldn't have billionaires. Uh, no, I said, I don't know what I would do with a billion, and my idea is to, uh, do what we've just been talking about. I mean, I have no interest in uh, fast cars. Again, I do. I'm. I am somewhat self-indulgent. I do buy all the books and gadgets. E-books, yeah. <laughs> and then, so, of course, yeah. You said the e-books, and then there's the obsession with the rats, which we're going to fund in some capacity. Well, we are not funding rats, although I am interested in uh, more about the New York City Rat Academy. <laughs> but another time. Next time. It is not a place where rats go to be taught. I want to hear about that. Craig, thank you for letting me uh, buy couches and sell furniture and, and apply for jobs. Thank you for coming here today. Uh, thank you guys for coming. Thanks to our partners at Densu Aegis Network and 25 Kent for hosting us. You can probably listen to this podcast on whatever podcast delivery systems you're, you're listening to this podcast on right now. So I don't really need to tell you to go get one, but you know how to get, get one. <laughs> if you like this podcast, the good news is the Vox Media Podcast Network, did I get the name right? Good. Has many other excellent podcasts you can go check out by looking them up on the internet. And if you like this event, if you like this conference, if you like this podcast, you can see more of this at the Code Media Conference, November 18th and 19th in Los Angeles. It will be great. Go to events.recode.net slash media. See you there. Thank you.